Hey everybody, it's Maddie. So this week's show, I'm back. I know it's been a little break. I had to take a break next week, last week. I had to take a breather. But this episode, it's for, I recorded it a while ago. It's with Angus Nelson, and he's a life coach. He does a speaker and innovation consultant. And he hosts a podcast called the Up In Your Business Podcast. And I really thought that when I was going to interview him, I thought it would be, he was going to be more business-minded. Honestly, I'm going to be honest, I thought it was going to be a little bit boring, but somebody said, you're going to love this guy. And I kind of met him. And I just, not boring, but just like really, you know, cerebral. Sugars. This is such, like, one of the most proud moments for me to post this show. I'm so happy with it. And Angus is such a beautiful, empowering, inspirational, and funny guy that I really, I meant to post this episode way earlier, but I I didn't get to it. And I feel like with everything going on, whether you're upset about this election, whether you're happy about it, whether you're pissed off that you're I don't know, your mom doesn't call you back or that you have to go somewhere you don't want for Thanksgiving. I don't know your life. I love that this episode, it, it's, I hope it's an emotional hug for you because it was for me re-listening to it and re-editing it and checking it. It just, it made me feel so good about just people. And so, um, yeah, so enjoy that. It's great to be back. Also, I'm taping this week later. I don't know if y'all watch the YouTube videos with Jake and I. You should be. But we, I ended up, one day Jake was like, oh, I like your socks. And I was like, oh, they're from this company called Related, yada, yada. And they make like matching socks and underwear. So I tagged them in the video and they reached out to me. And they like gave me a pair of underwear. And they said, hey, tell us what you think. And so I, told, I found out it's like two brothers that are obsessed with like that are straight that are making men's underwear so i want to know if i can like make them gay no i'm kidding no really so anyway i'm doing a podcast with the two brothers of that so i'm excited so that'll be going up next week uh but you can go there i think it's like related um it's relatedgarments.com. it's really cute it's like matching underwear and socks for men anyway i'm super excited about it this is like the second time i talked about shaving cream they just reached out to me apparently if you like stuff just say it and then people i don't know Send you stuff. Maybe they, people, if I say I like Target, will they send me a gift card? Because I am tired of paying a detergent. That shit is expensive. You can't buy that cheap shit because then your clothes look fake. Sorry, Gady D. I'm going off. So, relatedgarments.com. Go check them out. And here is this week's episode with myself and Angus Nelson. Enjoy. All right. Well, it's a podcast, everyone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. I am. I didn't know if I was going to make it here because my dog needed to go to the bathroom. I was worried I was going to be late, but Angus Nelson, I am here with you. Thank you for being yes, here. We made it. We did. We made it, everybody. Angus Nelson. But now, you're not. I've listened to your podcast and your, your radio show, so I know that. You're not. You're a humble person, so I'm going to read your bio for you, so that sure. way people know how amazing you are. Um, but basically, uh, Angus, he pretty much works with executives of the world's largest companies. He's a speaker, a coach, a facilitator. He's spoken at corporate headquarters like Walmart, Whole Foods, BMW, Coke. Um, he hosts an INC.com top 20 business podcast called Up In Your Business. I love that name because when you first said Up In Your Business, when I saw that name, I was like, ooh, are they going to talk about like, I don't know, like going to the bathroom? I didn't know. I didn't know, Angus. And then 
but then anyway, I still I really do like your show. And we're going to talk about that. Um, he's also been featured on AOL, Huffington Post, and Venture Beat. He's also written a book, and it's called Love's Compass: How Do You Recover from a Lost Relationship? And in April 2017, uh, Morgan James Publishing will release his newest book, Empowering Work. Please welcome someone who's done nothing that I've done because I haven't done anything compared to this guy, Angus Nelson, to the show. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I pre- Where do you live, Sugar? I don't even know. I'm actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Music City. Yes, I forgot you were Southern. Oh. I'm not Southern, but I'll, I'll embrace it. Um, yeah. I actually grew up in Wisconsin, and I moved to Alabama in 2005. Apparently, I, I acquired a banjo on my knee, because that's what you do in Alabama. That's what you do. Um, and I lived there for about eight or nine years, and then we took a year off. We sold our house, and my wife and our two youngest kids, we have three kids. One was in college, but the two youngest traveled with us. And every month, we stayed in an Airbnb or a VRBO, all the way from San Diego to Aruba. And, uh, and then at the end of that venture... We, we were starving for community. We wanted to settle down and, and, you know, connect with people, and we wanted to be in an urban environment, so we picked Nashville. I've actually, about, Nash, about Nashville, that it's a really great place to find community. It, it's, I uh, was just ranked the friendliest city in the country. Really? Yeah. And there's a lot of storytellers here, um, all the way from, obviously, the music side, and it's not just country. I mean, we have alt rock, we have hip hop and everything here now. And then you've got to the other end, you've got all these thought leaders and storytellers, uh, authors, etc. There's a ton of them that live in Nashville. So I've gotten to know a lot of them. In it. Yeah, it's, it's a very amazing. cultured city. It's a very cultured city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's the city in the South because I miss the South because I get used to California. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you're a white gay guy and your boyfriend's a black gay man, you know, Alabama's not your first <laughs> choice to live. I guess. No, N- Nashville, you can get away with it, but Nashville, maybe yeah. not so much in Alabama. Yeah, Nashville, they give less shits, so, um, which is good. So yeah. now, okay, I'm going to jump right into, uh, because before, so we met at Podcast Movement, so, mm-hmm. um, which for like the next shows for the rest of the year, dear Maddie listeners, that's pretty much how I met everybody, Podcast Movement. But, um, so, okay, so I listen to everybody's show before I have them on, because obviously... And honestly, even before I ask people, because I don't want to, I had one show where I was like, this was like a year ago where I I picked a guest because I didn't really know him that well, but he had a lot of Twitter Twitter followers. And that Mm -hmm. in the middle of that show, I was like, what have I done? (laughs) I will never tell anybody what that show was, but still, I was like, oh, I almost didn't air it. But then anyway, so anyway, I listened to your show and the, the episode I listened, I think it was, was it with Ryan? I think uh, Ryan Holiday. Yeah, we, you were talking about ego. Yeah. yeah. Oh my fuck, Angus! That episode is so good. Thank it you. is Thank so you. so good. And what I love I dr- about I, you, I drilled him on that show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. It's just your whole what you want to do is that, or what you're kind of the brand of who you are is that. I love, there's so many business and entrepreneur podcasts out there. I know because my boyfriend is obsessed with them and he listens to a lot of them. And I listen to some of them. um, But one of the reasons that I don't listen to a lot of them is I feel like a lot of them tell you things like leap in the net will appear and go just quit your day job and make the leap. And, and, you know, you can do this, just live your dream and blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just really a, they don't talk anything about the kind of, 
emotion, the fear, the doubt that we that keeps coming up the, versus the dream. And I love yeah. what. So where did you and your show is all about both of those things. So mm-hmm. what what led you to come up with that concept? Because I don't think a lot of people are doing that and still aren't. Um, I jacked up my life really, really severely. <laughs> That's pretty much how it came about. Um, yeah, so I'll actually tell you real quick. Uh, so back in early 2000s, um, uh, probably about 2001, 2002, I think it was, I was running a nonprofit. My brother and I had started, and um, I had wrapped my identity into that organization. Mm. And anyone that knows anything about nonprofits knows that it's, it's a really competitive space, 2001 had already happened, so 9-11 really kind of cut off funding for a lot of uh, nonprofits, so it got even more competitive. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, uh, we made some really bad uh, business decisions. Um, so we put ourselves in the hole, uh, some of it intentionally, and then, of course, you know, the circumstances. And so my pride was on the line, and mm-hmm. so I just did what we all do. We work harder. Anytime things aren't working, we just apply ourselves even more. And it's, it's not always the wisest thing. In fact, most times it's not. Mm. Because the harder you try, the more you're acting out of desperation and fear and the worse your decisions become. Ooh, ooh, we got some truth talk already from Angus. Right? Please say that, so, say that again, please. I want them to hear that. So the harder you try, the, it, what it reflects is the fact that you're operating out of a lack mentality. You're operating out of fear and desperation, and therefore you're typically going to make terrible decisions. Oh, love it. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So for me, um, I became a workaholic. Uh, so I was working you know, 70, 80 you know, work week, hours a week, and I um, then turned to cope with that pain. And it started with pornography and then led to alcohol and then adultery. And I was trying to do everything I could to try and, you know, quench that empty feeling that I was having inside. And, of course, um, you know, before short order, not only did I lose um, my marriage, I then lost the organization, and then I lost my self-worth and, and, and passion for life. And I spent the next three years um, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And part of it um, was kind of a journey of, of a spiritual context because I had um, faith in my background. Mm-hmm. And now my life reflected nothing of that. Mm. So now I feel like the absolute turd. You know, I, I have dumped on everything I knew to be true. My life um, doesn't reflect my values. And I don't know who knows what. So I'm afraid to even go out in public because I'm sh- full of shame and full of guilt. Mm. Um, and I never was one to hurt anybody. And all of a sudden I've hurt a lot of relationships. So I started seeking counseling and which was kind of a big thing for me because I always thought anyone who sought a counselor was really messed up. So Maddie, I wouldn't be coming to see you. I'd be like, no way. That's for crazy folks. Yeah. Right? It makes you weak. You're not a man. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the first time I sat down and he started asking me questions, I was super defensive and he was way cool. He was very chill about how he approached it. And then he, he handed me this book um, called Wild at Heart. He said, I think you're going to like this. And it was a book for men. And it was about um, men's three dreams of, of um, a, a fight to, to win and a, a journey uh, to take and, and a princess to win over. And um, so you, you, you've got to fight this battle. You've got to live this adventure. And you've got you know, to win the, the girl or for you, the guy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And... For me, as I got into this book, the one question that this guy said in the book was this. 
every man wrestles with, do I have what it takes? Mm. And that broke me because that was the thing I didn't think I had. Mm. I never believed that I had what it takes. And so in my journey, I started to realize how many times I was self-sabotaging my own opportunities. I was just submerging myself in pain because I thought I wasn't worthy, because I thought I wasn't valuable. So then flash forward, you know, throughout uh, 2005, I uh, put my house on the market. I had this 105-year-old Victorian house. I said, screw this, and I moved to Huntsville, Alabama. And there was a guy down there teaching this very holistic approach that dealt with the mental and the emotional mm-hmm. um, in tied in with this spiritual context. And it changed my life. And it gave me a new perception of grace. It gave me a new perception on loving myself and how the internal always seeks equilibrium with the external. So therefore, if the internal is full of chaos, you will subconsciously create chaos to create that equilibrium. Mm -hmm. However, once you start to create peace internally, once you create confidence internally, you start to walk in that same kind of quiet confidence Mm -hmm. and people start to feel comfortable around you and people start to feel that they can trust you. Mm -hmm. And, And then it goes on. I mean, it just keeps reciprocating and reverberating. And now you start to attract a higher quality and caliber of relationships you have to happen to actually walk around with a smile on your face and be happy. And crazy thing, Maddie, everybody loves to be around happy people. They do. It's a thing, I hear. It's a thing. And that brought me my wife. Um, I, I got remarried to a, another woman. I never knew that marriage could be so fun. Um, I, you know, It wasn't all you know, rainbows and butterflies. It still had some challenges along the way. Um, however, I, just, I knew how to persevere. I knew how to just keep optimistic. And eventually I got an opportunity where um, a mutual friend of mine um, with my brother had told me, hey, this guy here is starting this company. You should ask if he needs any help. And he gave me a shot. And suddenly I'm working with Fortune 1,000 um, companies and helping them with innovation. I handled the people side and all of the relationships within the uh, association. He, my colleague, uh, handled all of the um, business and strategy as well as the research side and um, yeah we made for a great team so I, I was involved with that for the last three years and just stepped away from that company just a few weeks ago oh congratulations so it's been a hell of a ride but what I found was thank you by the way um, was that even these corporate executives I was working with who have gone to some of the best schools in the world you know they make great money they're working for these great brands and some of them are still struggling struggling to be happy, struggling to feel content, struggling to feel like, um, you know, where they may have, have a career that looks, you know, quote unquote successful, they themselves in their lives don't necessarily feel the same. Mm. I mean, I'm, uh, I love, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry you went, no, I'm not sorry you went through that story because it led you here. So, you know, right? I'm, yeah. I try not to do that. I try not to say, I'm so, you know, I am sorry that people go through pain, but I'm also, again, what comes with grace of the knowing that, that getting through that is what often, hopefully, can inspire growth. And I say to people all the time, you know, that, I try not to use happy a lot, but clients come to me using happy, and I feel like that's such a loaded word, so that's why I try not to use it. I'm also a narrative therapist, so we really are mindful about words and how they frame reality for for us. And 
But um, I do tell them, I, I say, if you cannot find happiness in your situation now, you will not find happiness in your situation later. It, and it's just sure. what you were saying. I, but I love that you phrased it in the whole internal, external, because I see that as, I, I, I think that's very easy for us to see. If anybody's listening to the show right now, think about whether yourself or people in your life that you know are in a rough spot you can see the chaos kind of just reverberating in their life in some form, shape, or another. Yeah, and, you know, many times the chaos breeds more chaos. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. Um, you know, that, that, that's, I love the fact that you don't like the word happy, uh, happiness um, because I think people pursue happiness from a context of external, right? Yes. Internal, external. And we think, if I get this, then I'll be happy. If I get that, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and I say people oftentimes live in one of two directions. They live in the past or they live in the future. And in the past, it's either something bad or something good. It's either painful uh, and negative or it's positive and glorious. And what I mean by that is there may have been something in your past where, like myself, I could look at that those moral failures. I could look at uh, the adultery, the divorce, and all those things. And I could say, I'm a victim of those mistakes I made back then. Mm-hmm. I was a terrible individual. I was a terrible human being, and I'll never, I'll never deserve to be anything but. Or I can look at something fantastic that happened in my life, and some award I may have won, or something I participated. I'm like, oh man, Maddie, do you remember the good old days? Remember what? Oh, that was awesome. If things could just be like that again, then, then I can be happy. Mm-hmm. And then, or they live in the other direction. They live in the future. You know, I'll be happy when. I have this job, I have this level of income, I live in this city, or I have this, you know, particular partner or spouse or, or children or, you know, fill it all in. And that becomes a this, then that, then this, then that. Because once you're accomplishing one thing, there's always going to be another. And it becomes this exhausting hamster wheel that we're always in pursuit of something that's in front of us and never actually attained. At the same time, we're looking left and right, and the power of social media only forces this. People are sharing what they're doing, and all we ever really actually see are the good things. And we become jealous and envious, and then we beat ourselves up, and it becomes self-fulfilling um, prophecy because now we feel defeated internally. We feel like failures internally, so we perpetuate that into our future life yeah. versus yeah. living in the present. And in the present, I grow in gratitude because I can be thankful for that story that I've lived and who it's made me to be and the quality and caliber of relationships I've been able to embrace. And from that comes my contentment. And from that comes my feeling and sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. And from that breathes this internal joy. And that's where my happiness comes from. And from that, I build momentum because each and every day, I'm pouring myself into the things I have before me. And the momentum of that carries me into the next day. And I'm actually building each day on the shoulders of my yesterday. And what I find is that I will supersede any of the goals I may have set for myself because I was operating out of my limited imagination, thinking that that was my extent. And I'm actually you know, disqualifying myself from anything even more amazing because all I'm doing is, you know, trying to think that when I get here, then I'll be happy. But if I'm in this present state, it's like a snowball. It's like, you know, one of those investments, you know, the, the, where the interest is compounding. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where my life starts to become amazing. 
Because now when I come into the presence of someone, I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. I help them to feel safe. And I'm not trying to operate out of some vacuum or void. I'm not trying to operate out of some sense of lack or fear or competition. I just get to be me. And people like to be around me. And that's the way I want to live the rest of my life. Sugar, you are as poetic as you are handsome. Jeez Louise. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm just like, woo! I need to smoke a cigarette and I don't even smoke. I wouldn't do it. I'm telling you, I am so moved. I love it. Love it. We're getting, Angus Nelson's going deep on Dear Matter, y'all. Well, and you know, and I, what I love what you do, and and when Ryan was talking about the ego, you know, because I'm a narrative therapist, so meaning, like as I mentioned earlier, we always talk about kind of characters in our life, and we use externalization. So, like I coach a lot of actors, and a lot of actors, I talk about like when when was their muse character born into their life, or when they discovered they love to be creative, or they they feel they felt connected and they felt energized when they were either creating or a picture or doing something artistic. And then I talk about how this muse comes into our or the critic comes into our lives, and it's basically the voice of a lot of times the voice of our of the outs of the external of what other people say, and we take that on. But I love it that it's. Uh, because we're all, I think, saying the same thing in our own different ways. Ryan's talking about ego. You're talking about internal and external and grace. And I'm talking about different characters. But I, but I think what is so smart what you're doing is that I think very few people, and if you're listening to this and you're wanting to start a business, we're going to have a question about a business adventure later. People think of, well, you're talking about yourself, that's when you watch Oprah, or that's those, when you go to church. or when you, But no, using, using what you truly like connects you to your life, to the connects you, whether it's you believe in God or Judy Garland or the earth, whatever, it's <laughs> that, that will, that, that will it does, it can propel you into feeling connected, into the rest of your personal life if you if you infuse that into your business don't you agree oh absolutely um and and that you know like i said all of the elements of the internal matching and equilibrium to the external that's how you can be successful in business because business is facing a lot of fears yes yes perpetually you know? over and over and, and over Right, and you, you were mentioning about that inner critic, that inner critic, you know, that's always telling us those those voices in our head. They're saying you can't, you don't deserve, you're not worthy, etc. Um, I I love a friend of mine, uh, Gene. He has a podcast called Leader and Leaders in the Trenches, and his his business card I keep on my desk, and it says your inner critic is an asshole. <laughs> and that is and true. I, I love that, you know, because then whenever you hear that inner critic, you're like, I'm not listening to you. You're an asshole. Yeah. You know, and uh, in business, you're going to have so many opportunities to think, holy cow, can I really pull this off? Are people going to buy these things? And, you know, layer, layer, layer of, you know, when you start to manage people and then, you know, the people that you're managing seem to hate you or to backbite or to whatever. And you're like, why did I even hire these people? And then, I mean, <laughs> it can be never ending. Yeah. And if you don't get like ridiculously comfortable in your own skin, you'll make all sorts of decisions 
that will hurt people or your business. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Why do you think we're going to get to questions? See, Angus, I told you that you'd get interesting, and I would my GDD would take over, and I'd go wherever. Um, but we are going to get to questions, and because I. Um, but what? Why do you think that is such with especially business? I feel like as a culture and society that we're growing more into embodying you know, connectedness and who we want to be in personal lives and child raising and relationships. I feel like people are, are kind of expanding to be more authentic, but I don't maybe, but I want to know you're somebody who's really in the kind of business entrepreneur world. Do you feel like that's expanding into that as well? I don't see it as much, but I want to ask you, or is it, or is it still kind of people want to separate the two? Um, so all the data points towards um, basically work-life integration. So people are doing more and more work from home. They're working longer hours. They're working into the weekend. And not necessarily from the simple fact that they're just working you know, crazy amount of hours as much as they're being, being given opportunity to leave the office more often. They don't necessarily have to come. They can work remote. Um, in addition, there's an expansion of contract labor forces. And this actually goes into my book that's coming out next year, Empowering Work. One of the things that I'm um, leaning forward into is this whole um, element of the fact that larger brands are having fewer and fewer incentives to hire full-time employees. Mm. They don't want to cover the uh, liabilities of not only you know their retirement and their benefits, but also just the cost of having them in-house, even if they don't have something for them to do, because that becomes workforce redundancy. Mm. So they're starting to pull away from all of that. They're starting to let go, and we're actually seeing this in a lot of big brands right now in twofold. One is companies are splitting because they realize that having big, huge, behemoth companies isn't as effective as having small, compact. So Xerox is splitting into two companies. PayPal and and, uh, eBay, who used to be together, are now separate. And then Google created one umbrella, their XYZ alphabet, over top of all these other divisions. Mm -hmm. And that way people could then focus and become more specialists in their expertise or in their role. In the same facet, employees are going to be focused on becoming more specialists versus generalists. And as contract labor forces now, you're managing your own company, you're managing your own brand, you're managing your own uh, reputation, and you're managing your own network and the number of people that you know and can access when you're looking for more work expanding your company, if you will. Mm. So as such, if you look at it from both sides of the equation, and if you, I can unpack this a little bit more, from the larger brands, consider that HR, human resources, will now have to cover three fronts. Not only are they going to do you know, job acquisition like they've done for years, they're also going to have to do um, talent management because they're going to have to manage all of these mm-hmm. contractors. And then they're also going to have to get into leadership development, which takes us to the point of this whole thing. It's because those that are within the leadership of the companies who are the full-time, who will be kind of steering the ship, are going to have to develop emotional intelligence. Mm. There's a quotient that will need and be necessary for them to connect to the contractors they work for because the contractors, you know, if if, if they don't feel like they're valued, if they're not getting treated well, they'll just go work for the competitor. Now intellectual properties up in the air. What do you do about that? And there's all these other complications that go into the mix. And my book, after 
creating all of this context on the front end of the business threats and opportunities. On the back end, I like to think of it as a, a, a mullet approach, business in the front, party <laughs> in the back. And the party is, it's going to be all about what does it look like to develop emotional intelligence? What does it look like to prepare yourself to build your own brand, your personal brand, as well as your, your own company brand? Mm. And then furthermore, how do you expand your network and develop powerful and deep relationships that are going to help propel your career for the future? Mm. So I actually see people becoming more and more connected. And the irony is we spent the whole last century becoming divided. Yeah. Where we had, you know, a time where you knew your butcher, you knew your mailman. Remember Sally uh, down at the deli? Do you remember, you know, Joe, the, the butcher? And if Joe, the butcher, didn't like cut your steak that three quarters inch the way you like that, that meat uh, cut, let's just say it's your, I was going to say prime rib. I don't know if you do that three quarters inch. Let's say it's uh, your ribeye. Rib yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my ribeye is a three, three quarter inch. And all of a sudden he starts cutting my steaks at half an inch. I'm like, Joe. Joe, where's my three-quarter inch? Joe's like, yo, man, sorry. I come back. He gives me half inch again. Well, now I go tell my neighbor, Sally, and I go tell Tommy next door, and I start telling the other people in my community, and now if Joe doesn't change his ways, he's going to be out of business. That's the way it was back in the day, and we saw us get away from all that as companies expanded and, and you know, industry expanded. And then, interesting enough, when social media... Yeah, I was going to say, it's really social play, media. It was a leveler. Right? So now it's all come back. And what we're going to notice in this new economy of sorts is an element of free agency and more power going to employees than ever before. And I mean, we're seeing that in our political system. Right? That's what's happening in politics as well. Yeah. It's so true. Let's not get into politics because that's no. like a hot take not- right there. We're, well, but no, but because, I mean, people could say, though, like somebody like Bernie Sanders would not have had as much like his policies that were at the Democratic National Convention that they talked about would not have been there if it wasn't social media. Absolutely. So, yeah. And whether you agree with it or not, I'm just the fact that he was in that. And I, you're so right because, you know, I totally, uh, you know, I'm flying American and then something gets like messed up and they totally like screw oversell the flight and you tweet it and boy they tweet you back in 10 minutes yeah. saying what can we do to help yeah. you yeah because they know it's def- and that's yeah they the, do the, the differentiator in brands now is customer service for sure yeah that's that's well now i have another question because I, I swear y'all we're gonna get to your questions <laughs> but we only got two today so we got time y'all sugars i promise <laughs> because i'm also i mean i understand now i'm hearing your story because i wanted to because honestly when i I knew you were more of a business guy. And then when I looked you up, I was like, huh? He wrote a book about love's compass. How do you recover after a lost relationship? And I'm assuming obviously that probably that came from a lot of your experience with possibly your ex yeah. ex wife. But I mean, kind of what is, you know, what was the, well, I mean, I feel like I know the impetus in that. I think this is a great book because as a, as a therapist, I'm always hearing people talk about relationships and not even a relationship of, of a uh, uh, love, a uh, romantic relationship. I know that, you know, I have a friend that used to be my business partner and that really, who I loved as a friend and that, that, that relationship ended without a lot of closure. And, and um, I can just say as a therapist, I think that's one of the beautiful things of therapy is not going to therapy, but also ending therapy. Cause often you can have closure mm-hmm. in a relationship with a person that you don't get in other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. 
But anyway, so for you, what was really in writing Love's Compass? How um, how did you? Um, what was kind of your intention as you were, or, or I don't know if there's something else that you feel like was really, uh, I, I don't know, that led you to write that book. So um, there were a couple of things. One is um, I had been playing with it, and then my wife challenged me to finish it. Ooh. And um, so she kind of um, challenged me. So I wrote the book from a couple different perspectives. One is I despise all the books that are like five steps to this, seven ways that, you know, whatever. Um, they fly off the shelf, those titles. Um, people are suckers for that because they think there's a silver bullet for everything, and I think that's bullshit. Um, the book was written from a narrative perspective first and foremost because I wanted to tell my story so the reader could discover their story within mine and number two the other philosophy I took to it was that I always believe that when you show yourself vulnerable you give others permission to do the same mm. so my book is written from a very transparent uh, perspective and it talks about a lot of the struggles that I had from a very real invitation into my head mm. and I believe that when people read this and, and those who have share with me, it's like you were in my head. And to me, that's a really high compliment. Yeah, that's what you want. I think that's yeah. what you want as a storyteller. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of how I wrote the book. Now, why I wrote the book was because I wanted to give people this one underlying understanding. You're not alone. Mm. That's because what it's about. Every one of us comes through a, a, a crunch time like that, and we think we're the only one feeling what we're feeling. And this book not only does it take you into that place so that you can identify it, but I also show you kind of how I walked out of it. Mm. And it took me years to kind of do it. And the book kind of travels through that time and the different discoveries I made along the way, in addition, how I met my wife and some of the principles we did to do it differently. And I'll give you one little teaser. Um, I have a chapter in there where I talk about how I, I pulled what I call the, the George Costanza, where um, <laughs> if, you, if you're a fan of the old Seinfeld show, there was one episode where Seinfeld did the opposite of every natural you know, impulse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was me when I first met my wife. Like Every time she would ask me questions, I felt on the defensive and that I would get panicky and sweaty and like I, I thought there was an interrogation going on, only to find out later that you know that's just the way she learned, was she would ask me questions. And she still does to this day after nine years of marriage. And um, I learned how to lean forward into that. And instead of feeling defensive, I would in my head say, she believes in me, she's interested in me, that's why she's asking these questions. She's asking these questions because she values my thoughts and opinions. She values my story. And I had to like turn these things around in my own head and heart in order for me to operate on a different level. Mm. And so the book then, again, shows you some of these techniques that I learned along the way without sitting down and saying, so what you got to do here is, you know, I didn't want to do that. Um, and then the other principle that I share that has seemed to be very powerful that people really resonate with is we have a thing called the five loved and five unloved. And when we first started hanging out, we would make a list, each one of us, where we would write down the five things that make us feel loved and the five things that make us feel unloved. 
And just as an example, one of the things that for my wife made her feel unloved was sarcasm. And I grew up in Wisconsin where sarcasm is kind of like part of our Mm -hmm. language skill set. And I had to learn how not to be sarcastic. Or when I made a joke, I learned how not to make other people the brunt of jokes. I'd make myself the brunt of a joke. And that made her feel safe. And interesting enough, um, she loved me through my junk when we first got married and kind of made me feel safe enough to be able to address some of the still remaining areas that I had to contend with. And now, you know, we've been married for nine years, about seven and a half, eight years after marriage. This last year, my wife has really dived deep into some of her own areas of expression and contending with some of her own fears. And it's taken this long for her to feel safe that now she can feel vulnerable and safe enough to be able to address them. Well, I just want to, I just want to, and I don't mean this in a gay way. I just want to spoon with you and tell you all my fears. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so loved. So now, right now, Lord help me. Well, I, well, I hope that you can spoon some of these questions for our listeners today, but, um, all right, we're going to dive. Oh, I, Sugar, I could talk to you all night. All right. Here's a first question. This is from Claire, age 43. She says, Dear Maddie, uh, I love your show. Thanks for making my laundry day more fun. You are welcome, Claire. So anyway, I'm a stay-at-home mom with two beautiful boys. My oldest is 17 and my youngest is 15. My problem is, is I'm getting bored. Don't get me wrong. I'm very busy with running around with their school activities and sports and academic meets. I'm very happy with my husband. But I think now that my kids are getting closer to leaving the nest, I'm wondering what do I do next? I always thought of my life was full, but I'm feeling lost on who I am. And that sounds so dramatic to say I never thought I would be one of those women. So I've been thinking about starting a home business. I've become a very proficient baker, and I've taken decorating classes for fun, and I'm already the go-to mom to make cakes for friends or for my church group. My husband says I should take a stab at it, but I'm scared of taking something I love, like baking, and being stressed out about it. That's a good point. Or maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just scared to take it to the next level. I've never ran a business before, but I do love baking. Should I make the leap, and how the hell do I leap? This is from Claire43. Claire, that's a great question. Because I think a lot of people are just going to relate to that question, period. So, Mm -hmm. Angus, spoon this up, sugar. I'm ready. Sure. So, hi, Claire. Nice to meet you. Um, So, Claire, here's what I would say. Um, Instead of you having to take a leap out into nothingness, what if you found somebody you could work with and go work a job where you could do baking with some other uh, company? where the pressure of the business itself is not on your shoulders and you can learn the business practice for a year or two, learn how they do it. And at the same time, you'll be able to observe, observe what makes, what, what mistakes they're making. You'll be observing ways that you could make it better or do it more your way and get more comfortable with the context of you moving forward. Then when you step away and now you're making the things that you are good at, the bakery that, expresses who Claire is, you'll have far more confidence into actually applying yourself to the practice itself. And I will tell you this, you you, you nailed something on the head and you have to know this right away. Any business is going to have some elements of stress. 
And, you know, just because we think the grass is greener over there when I have my own business, um, you also have to know that, you know, there's a lot of manure over there. <laughs> you got to deal with a lot of shit. Uh-huh. That's why it's so green. Um, so the, one of the contexts is to know that um, you, when you get into it, there's a really awesome and wonderful element of doing something new is that you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So on one hand, it becomes really adventurous. On the other hand, it becomes a lot of work. It will stretch you, it will grow you, and it will make you an incredible human being if you let it. But if you treat it with fear and intrepidation, it'll be the worst thing you've ever done in your life. Mm. And so part of this comes down to also your mindset. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm not to interrupt, but I am. I'm just going to say what I think what you're talking about, and I just want to, so hold your thought, but... It's about choice, too. It's like when well, I just want to add, I love what you just said about when something's stressful and that you can learn from it. And remember, Claire, you have a choice to actually say, do I want this to be really stressful for me or do I choose for this to be a growing experience for me? That's all I wanted to say. Keep going, Angus. Spoon us. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is because what you are, the very thing that you're expressing is not unusual. People who are in your scenario that you just described, that's that's a very common oh, yeah. type of element where people are trying to say, what's my purpose now? I've, I've served my role as mother now. What's my contribution? You know, Where's my legacy? How do I take my gifts, my talents, my skills and express them in a way that others can like and, and appreciate and hopefully get yeah. money from? And that, yeah. um, so I think you're on the right track. It's just a matter of, don't try and bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> See what I did there? That was kind of a baker joke. <laughs> <sighs> That's good. That's really good. Well, and I just want to say to Claire, too, sugar, take some pressure off. Because, first of all, I don't think – a lot of times we get busy, busy – and I get this because I'm this type of person, Claire, and I'm sure anger, anger – Angus, you might relate to this yeah. – that um, we – we're when we get involved in something, we really get involved with it, and we really want to nurture it, and we really want it to be successful. Well, Claire, sugar, you've been doing that. It sounds like with your fa- with your family, and so why would you have taken a lot of time to think about what you would want to do when your children get older, and what is your purpose in life? I think you, girl, you've just been busy, and I think that now going for a lot of times, people again, I get this all the time. They're like, I don't know what I should do with my life, and some people, like me, I knew what I wanted to do when I was five years old, and it pretty much has stayed that same route. I was lucky in that way. God literally told me what I needed to be doing on this earth, and I've kind of just gone that path. Mm-hmm. However, well, for a lot of people, it's not that way. So for Claire, like, what is just the thing you want to do like this month or this year or even this week? Like, piecemeal it. Take, I'm going to do it, Angus. Take small bites. Yeah. And because... <laughs> <laughs> because I think she's she's thinking, what do I need to do for the rest of my life? Well, you might, it's okay if, hey, if you decide to do an at-home baking business with a friend, like you said, I love that idea, of, or you intern for like two or three years, you make a little money from it, and then one day you go, eh, I'm bored. That's cool. Like, I, I remember mm-hmm. Ina Garten, who is a very successful, this kind of story, Claire. I know you probably watch the Barefoot Contest on the Food Network, but she did that. She was a um, uh, she was it was some type of uh, nuclear analyst for the White House, and she hated the job. And she was, I think, in her forties whenever she decided to open up a bakery. She had never done it before, 
And even now, she says to this day, and then she did that. And then she said, eh, this isn't fun for me. I'm going to try something else. Well, then she took some time, and then she wrote cookbooks. And then she said, eh, I want to have something else. And then she started a show. It really has for her been about, and I've tried to do this too, what, what, is, what brings me joy, what makes me feel like I'm not only contributing and being of service, but also that I... That I just feel that I feel like I'm con- again. I'm gonna say this word connecting. So, Claire, I just again, it's not about what you need to do for ten years. Just think about what you want to do just right now. Like you yeah. said, it. You know what? I'm gonna prop you up there, Angus, because she can't use her past to dictate her experience on what she can do, and she can't use that also to try to plan out her whole entire future. Claire just needs to, she needs to read Angus's fucking book, and she needs to live in the present, is what you need to do, girl. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, uh, um, yeah, the empowering work's actually going to have a whole section about that, being in the present. So, Claire, just just do that. Life is a big experiment. Go experiment. And yep, you'll, yep. you'll find some fulfillment in some things and maybe not in others. And I think it's, I just love the fact that you're even questioning, like stepping out and doing it. So exactly, exactly, exactly. Because awareness is, that is the key to unlock everything. I truly believe that. And, and when we don't have the awareness, then we can get lost. Yeah. Um, all and, right. And if you need some tasters for some of those cakes and stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. Maddie and I are here. We'll, we'll, we'll dig in. Yeah, huh? We got you got two southern boys. I'm calling you southern now, Angus, because I love you. And well, I, I, I don't drink tea, so uh, oh, some sweet tea. I'm down. Good for you. By the way, where did you get your name? It has to be a family name. It's not actually. Uh, well, so it's Scottish, and my mother's side, my mom, uh, is from New Zealand. She's a Kiwi, but she her her father was a, a first generation Scot in New Zealand. So they're part oh. of the McDougal clan with one L because they wouldn't go into battle with Robert the Bruce. So they got penalized and lost an L off their name. So um, I was born and I was supposed to be Mary Rachel. Um, and instead of having a Mary Rachel girl, they actually had two boys. Oh, wow. And my dad wasn't in the uh, delivery room at the time. So the nurse thought she'd surprise him by saying, hey, Mr. Nelson, would you come with me, please? Instead of congratulations, you have a boy or a girl. So my dad immediately thought something was wrong. He comes into the delivery room. He looks to the one side of the room, and there's my mom all propped up. She's smiling. He goes, dear God, they haven't told her. They haven't told her that something's wrong. They turn to the other side of the room. There's one incubator with two babies head to toe with a blanket over the top of them. He thought we were Siamese twins, and he passed out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the only name they picked out because they thought it was going to be a girl was Mary Rachel. So my mom said uh, that her dad's best friend was a guy named Angus. And so immediately that's where I got my name. My twin brother was supposed to be the responsibility of my dad to pick a name. And so he's an American. And he's like, what the heck goes with Angus? You know. So he's going through all these crazy names. And finally the, the hospital said you can't take the babies home unless you know baby B has a name. And so he says, well, I'll, I'll take a drive and I'll come right back. And he pulls out of the hospital parking lot and the car in front of him says, like, Marcus Smith Buick. And he said, that's it, Angus and Marcus. And that's how we got our names. Oh, are you identical or fraternal twins? We are identical. And as of, like, four years ago, my brother took on my look, so we're both bald and bearded. Oh, bald and handsome. Don't forget to add that sugar. <laughs> um, so now, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know this, I wanted... 
I just have to ask this because just in case it was so cool. Have you ever like had that feeling or I know you probably get this shit all the time and I'm sorry, but it's my show. So like where you're, you know, your brother fell and like you feel pain or anything like that. Uh, so people ask us that all the time. You're absolutely right. And no, we, we've never felt that. But the irony of that is uh, on a different level. Whenever we used to call home, you know, we lived in different parts of the country. And even today, you know, like I'll call in to my mom and say, hey, mom. And she goes, you'll never guess who's on the other line. Yeah, oh, so it's brother. like you both have. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Whereas now technology makes it so that we just tap each other into the, the three-way call. and that Now we all talk. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. That's, so that's kind of weird and quinky-dinky. We used to do that. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Next question. This is from one of our, from Jackie, one of my favorite listeners. I've even had her on the show, everybody. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. I loved her so much. I said, come on, sugar. So Jackie says, uh, dear Maddie, hello, dear friend, or hun, as we say in Maryland. This is less of an advice question and more of a curious what do you think question. Self-care seems to be a big buzzword these days. And with a toddler at home and a husband who is facing open heart surgery in a few weeks, People keep reminding me about my own self-care. I had to ask my mama community what self-care means to them. One said that her self-care is taking a week-long solo vacation a year. Um, That doesn't sound fun to me. I mean, it does, but I would miss my husband and kid. Others classified as eating healthy, massages, a class, or a glass of wine. I do take long baths with a book. I try to pay attention to my Fitbit. Does that count as self-care? Where is the line between selfish and self-care? That's a good question. Looking forward to hearing from your professional and personal thoughts, Jackie, the muddling mama, age 34. I think you're 34, Jackie. I guessed on that. So, but um, <laughs> sorry if it's older. So, where's the line? Don't you mean twenty four? Yeah, yeah. So, where's the line between selfish and self care? So, I think selfish is anytime it plays or imposes into the quality or caliber of the relationships around you. Ooh, I love that. That's bam! You just dropped it. So, I wish uh, I wish I could rattle that off the my lips again. <laughs> just kind of off, the, off the cuff, but but I mean that's that's what I believe. Um, you know, here's, here's the other side of that <clears throat> self-care. And, and we had this with, when my, my wife was pregnant, I don't think she would have a problem with me sharing this. Um, you know, little things like she, she would forget to take her iron mm-hmm. and so she'd become anemic and then we'd have to contend with that. Or she wouldn't take her vitamins and she would feel tired and exhausted, which is a combination of the two of the anemia as well as, you know, just not getting nutrients. <clears throat> and I would challenge her. I was like, baby, I need you to take care of you. Because um, we're taking care of you know all these things, and of course she's pregnant. So I mean, she's got she's kind of got a lot of responsibility already. Yeah, she's making life, um, right? <clears throat> and um, and so there comes a time where if you in and of yourself aren't joyful and aren't healthy, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, if you're not healthy, then you're not any good to those around you, mm-hmm. and your family needs you. And especially if your husband is about to go in open heart surgery, like the last thing you need to do, and this this plays into some really deep like psychological uh, mother stuff, where mothers oftentimes have a lot of guilt about doing things that bring them joy. Yes, yes, I I've gotten so many questions in just from hearing listeners because a lot of my most of my listeners are usually are like moms and women. So, but yeah, it definitely is this that whole. 
that whole idea of being and that's actually Jackie's blog is a great muddling mama is a great because it's kind of her blog is really great at dispelling the whole you need to be a super mom type of a thing right. which is so right. detrimental I think for women or any parent yeah and, and you know so so going to all of your questions you know and defining what it is oh my gosh I think it is I think self-care is what you make it if you love Excuse me. If you love playing tennis, take some time to play tennis. If you love to swim, take some time to swim. If you want to do some gardening, every one of us needs some white space to think. Yeah. We need some white space to meditate. Mm -hmm. We need some white space to collect ourselves so that we can bring the best rendition of ourselves to those we love. And if you keep giving and giving and giving, it's like this. Maddie, if you were to take in a breath right now and then take in another breath, and then taking another breath, and then taking another breath, but never actually take the time to exhale. I'm in pain. <laughs> you're gonna pass yeah, out, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Like that's kind of the same thing on the opposite equation. If you breathe out and you breathe out and you breathe out because you're giving and giving and giving, you're gonna pass out that way too. That is the best explanation of self care I think I've ever heard. And I've watched a lot of freaking Oprah, okay? Like that is some good <laughs> shit right there. I love that. Right? So life is an organic expression of simply taking breaths. Sometimes you take a breath in, other times you take a breath out. And without both, you can't you live. You can't live. And and it's all you know, it's that just made me think of two and I can respect Jackie, I can say this to myself. I hate working out. I don't love working out. It's not something that I love to do, but my boyfriend, in, he knows what my goals are in life, um, what I want to do, how I need to show up in the world, how I want to show up in the world. And he had a really good talk to me explaining that, and I think this goes for self-care, that sometimes self-care also isn't always what we want to do. It's what we need to do. And that, that he explained that to me, that you don't like working. It's not what you want to do, but it is what I need to do to live the life that I want to do. And I'm not saying that's working out for you, but I am saying that probably maybe, uh, maybe not a week, but maybe, you know, you don't want to take a day without your husband and kid, but maybe you need to take a day without your husband and kid just to mm -hmm. kind of have that white space. Um, and so, but like you said, Angus, I think it is, that is what, you know, I had a friend who her self-care was she loved, as a kid, she had all these stuffed animals. So when she grew, up, grow, grew older as an adult, we had a day job together and we worked by a mall. And when she was stressed out, she knew she needed to go to the Disney store and just walk around and just like hold one of the stuffed animals and pet it. And Absolutely. I loved it that, that, right she, that she was able to find mm -hmm. in the midst of chaos of work that she could go for 30 minutes and kind of have that white space. So... Um, and Jackie, and just knowing and talking to you, I I want to echo Angus's words of this isn't you. It's don't feel bad for taking time for yourself. Yeah, I just um, I think that you know, and from what you said, Jackie, your husband is when you've told me about him, I'm sure he would be supportive of you too. And I didn't know Sugar he was having open heart surgery, so I will put you on the prayer list. I will do that. Um, but yeah, any yeah, that that was great, Angus. That's great, 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 great. I, I could just have you on the show every day. You put me out of a job. <laughs> but Absolutely. no, it's great. 
Great, great. All right, Jackie. Best of luck to you. I love you. I'm, I know I'll see you on the Facebook. Um, uh, so now, okay, I want to talk a little bit about celebrity shit the bed, so to speak, or kind of, but I also want to just add pause to talk about that because I was looking on your website and you offer a free ebook. And so I want you to talk about that because I bet there might be people that are interested in that that are listening. Oh, sure. So part of what we were saying before is, you know, the future of work. Um, you know, I, on my show, I, I interview a lot of like thought leaders and, and you know, people who are much smarter than me. And <laughs> for the two common things that they share that has helped them be successful in their careers, it seems to be these two things almost every time. One is they've always been a self-learner, no matter what their industry is or you know, technology or you know, the way culture, like they always are learning about their space. And then the second component is they have a vast network and they have created deep and meaningful relationships because especially today, people are rare to actually get a job through a resume, but they will get a job through a relationship. Exactly. I was just talking about that today. There you go, right? It's like and we're twins. So, well, come on, come on. We're, no, we're making us triplets. We'd be triplets. <laughs> yeah. There's Maddie, Marcus, and Angus, right up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the thing is in relationships, um, some people are uncomfortable with that. 65% of Americans in the U.S. consider themselves introverts. And therefore, in their minds, they think an introvert is not someone that can connect with other human beings. They think mm. like, oh, to be around that mass of humanity, forget it. And I would say the opposite. You are actually far more qualified to actually develop deep and meaningful relationships because that's how you're wired. Instead of knowing 40 people, knowing four people and knowing them well, far more significant. And so I created an ebook called Networking with, with, uh, with Effectiveness and Credibility. I'll, I'll learn how to talk here shortly. That's all right. I'll put it in um, the show notes too. Oh, fantastic. And in this ebook, gives you not only like what is it like to prepare your mind for going into you know a networking opportunity, but then also takes you step by step on how to actually engage with the people around you and how to actually do the practicals of how to look them in the eye and how to actually shake a hand in a way that people will respect you, how to engage with the host and ask the very first thing as you walk in is, is there anything I can do to help? And you'd be amazed at just the amazing things that can happen just by serving those around you. So the whole premise of the book is not about meeting people so that you can take, but rather what you can give. What value can you bring to those around you and live in a place of generosity? Because people will see you as different and want to be a part of what you're doing. And so I created an ebook, and I'll make that available to you guys. Um, we'll just put it at AngusNelson.com forward slash Dear Maddie Show. All one word. Oh, okay. Awesome. I will... Ooh, look at that. We have our own link. So fancy. Mm-hmm. All right, good. It's okay. So let's t- talk a little bit. Celebrity shit the bed. It's whatever you want to talk about, sugar. What has been on your mind this week? What's What have you connected with? Or what's made you mad? What gave you joy? What is it? <laughs> so I'm fascinated right now with um, Anthony Robbins. Tony Robbins came out with his new Netflix show, I Am Not Your Guru. Yes, I want to watch it. Have you okay, seen it yet? I have, I have, I have. <clears throat> and I, you know, because I do, you know, these motivational things and I'm really deep into, you know, learning stuff, um, I actually asked my audience, this is going back probably three or four months ago, before I ever knew that Tony Robbins was trying to, you know, get back in the limelight in that fashion. 
And I ask for people to send me their old stuff. So I actually have a box. I'm looking at it, and you guys can't see me looking at it, which is really hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm pointing to it, and you guys can't see me pointing. Uh, so it's got VHS and cassettes, and, and then of course, you know, some some CDs of all of his older stuff. Because I've just wanted to kind of go through that in my own mind and my own practice, because I think he still had some stuff that still applies today, and I want to challenge myself to learn and grow. Even more. Mm. So when this thing came out, I was like, I'm totally going to watch this. Well, the first thing I saw is that it was actually filmed in 2014, so the material is actually two years old. So that part, I was like, oh, man. However, the story that they tell throughout it, I thought, was just really fascinating in the way that you get to see some behind-the-scenes of who Tony is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much of it is, you know, a little bit of Hollywood spin and how much of it is, you know, real. But I'm just going to take it at face value and say I was, you know, surprised, pleasantly surprised to see his level of conviction and level of care for the people he was actually serving. Mm. And some of the people he talked to, you know, the way he dealt with some of those to me were a little shocking uh -huh. and, and maybe even a little like I was thinking in the back of my mind, maybe I would have de dealt with that differently. Uh -huh. um, and yet... It's him. It, it's all fully who he is and, and what he does. And I just found the whole thing really fascinating. So if you haven't seen it, I think it gives you kind of a different perspective on those you know personal development type gurus. Mm. Um, but the biggest part I loved about him is that he didn't want to be the guy you came to for answers. What he was doing was pulling out the answers you already know for yourself. Mm. That it which is the premise of I am not your guru. I love that. I love, I, well, as a solution-focused therapist, we always say we are not the expert. The client is the expert in their life, and we really yeah. strive for that. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that this week. Um, yeah. It's on Netflix, everybody. If you don't have Netflix, then I can't help you. You haven't seen Stranger Things. <laughs> like, I can't talk to you. We can't have a conversation. I mean, bless your heart. That's all I have to say to you, was it Stranger Things that you're telling me? Maybe you can't talk to me. I haven't seen oh, it that? is. Okay, I'm, I'm writing it down. It's on Netflix. It's a little scary, but I mean, it's okay. like it's Goonies meets like a Stephen King meets like an old movie that you probably don't remember called Watcher in the Woods. I loved it so much. I'm only like four episodes in, but we're obsessed with it. It's okay. so good. All it's right. so so good. Okay, so so I will make one one caveat is like I I am not a absolute binge watcher on uh -huh. anything because I'm built I'm building a business. Um, I just interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk last week, oh, yeah. and um, well, I interviewed him several weeks ago, but I just aired it last week, <clears throat> and it's really kind of got me really diving into my own business, kind of like going back to um, you know Claire and building hers. Um, for me, I'm putting so much focus on just serving my audience and creating products that I'm doing very little of spending time sitting in front of my, my TV. My, wa my, my wife is going through the show Rain. I don't know oh, I've heard, heard of it. Yes, I've heard of it. Oh, my gosh. She's been going like episode after episode after total binge, you know, it's, she comes to bed at two in the morning, all bloodshot eyes. Oh, I, I don't do that. I, I need my sleep, but it is, I have found that TV uh, is a, it's a nice, um, it, for me, it can, I mean, I try to meditate and do all those kind of stuff, but TV often does offer, cause I love stories, but those type of like, 
it's a it's a, it is a good white space for me you know it's just kind of mindless yeah. noise. but i yeah. get it you do you, you do your life sugar you're on a mission um all right <laughs> So we're, it's time. It's time for Chatty Maddie questions. Same five questions we ask everybody every week. So first, uh, Chatty Maddie question number one. What's your most memorable childhood smell or your favorite smell? So, okay. So those are two different things. You can't, you can't switch up the question. So my memorable, <laughs> memorable. Oh, it might not be good. We'll go memorable. Okay. I want to go memorable. Let's Because I'm not going to say that memorable equates to favorite. All right. Okay. Have, okay. You're right. I have right. multiple, but one of my most memorable smells is the smell of the propane off of a Zamboni on a hockey rink. Because I played hockey oh. from the age of, say, I think I was seven when I started. Um, mm-hmm. And then I played into my 20s. And I played for like 14 years or so. Um, and I just remember every, I mean, in the summer, I would go to summer hockey camps. And it would be hot outside, so in the rink it would be foggy. And I can remember mornings going and stepping out on the ice right after the Zamboni got off and, you know, skating through that fog and having it swirl in the air. Um, and then in the winter, I can remember walking outside and having my nostril hairs freeze up and sneezing in the bright sun. Um, but yet, stepping into that hockey rink, and there was the smell of that Zamboni. That's, like, my childhood. Oh. You took me there. I love that. That's a good one. Um, but the one I was going to say is, um, and it kind of tied into the same one, is you know, it made me want to jump back to like my second, third grade, all the way up to eighth grade, and even well into adulthood. It's just flatulence, man. Oh. It's like we were the biggest pranksters, and my wife would have thought, my wife would have had nothing to do with me when I was a kid. I'm positive. <laughs> she would have had nothing to do with me. Well, you would have smelled. Just, you would have smelled. <laughs> We were just retarded. <laughs> Especially when you had... That's we, totally not PC. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, I, we were ridiculous. I think, you know what? Words and actions are a lot about intention. I think people know your intention. Sometimes words pop out. So, yeah. but come on, you had a twin brother. I was already terrible with my own brother. You literally had some, you literally, you both have had a lifelong sidekick just to egg you on to do stupid stuff. That's what a twin, yeah. I feel like that's what a twin does. Yeah. Yeah, and and we were really we were both extroverts, so we definitely were the life of of just about any party. And then we have a younger brother. He's since grown up to be six foot eight, so we can't call him our little brother. And uh, he wasn't near as like crazy as we were. Poor guy. That's like to say he grew up under our shadow, and now we stand under his. He that last laugh. You see what I did? All right. I yeah, I saw that. All right, Chatty Man Number Two. What would be the name of your memoir? Uh, Slayer of the Inner Critic, Lover of the Hawaiian Honey. No explanation needed for that. I love that. My wife, she was born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, She's my whole. You're a good writer. All right. Just think of, you just, you form a sentence well. I like it. Um, I'm excited to read your books, actually. Um, All right. Chatty Maddie, question number three. What's the best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier? Uh, wait for a woman of the heart to marry. Mm. Somebody once pulled me aside and they said, look, women can be manipulative and you will probably be a good catch. You're a good guy. So what you want to do is wait till you find a woman who has a good heart. That's the one you're going to want to marry. Don't look at the face. Look at the heart. 
and um, my first marriage was about a pretty face and a pretty smile. Mm. Not to say that she had a bad heart, but she didn't have the right heart. She didn't have the right heart. I get it. I get it. Uh, Chatty Manning number four, what day would be your Groundhog Day? Or, I mean, what day was so great that you would live over and over? Um, so, I have two days. Is that okay? The show's done, Can Angus. We have to leave. Now. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Shoot. <laughs> no, it's shoot. fine. Go ahead. So, my one day that I would love to live over and over was our Trash the Dress photo shoot day, which was the day after our family wedding. And it was on the beach, and we spent the day having brunch with all of our family. We, what we did is we just rented a big beach house mm-hmm. down in Florida, on, um, in Carillon Beach, just outside of Panama City Beach, Florida. And we played, and then we went out with the photographer, and then um, we were in the ocean, and my wife was in her dress, and we have all these pictures of us all over the place kissing and you know splashing, and I had her excuse me, up in my shoulders, uh, in the waves. And, and then my family members would come and follow us as we were doing the shoot. And then afterwards we stayed up wee hours into the night playing, um, um, uh, canasta with all of our family members, which we nicknamed, um, canasty after playing that game, that... guys against the girls. And it's just one of those days where our families came together and everything just kind of meshed families and friends. Mm. It was a glorious day. I love that. What's the other day? Uh, the other day would be just a few weeks ago when we celebrated our ninth wedding anniversary at Podcast Movement. I had an incredible day of just meeting a whole podcasters and feeling as if I finally met my tribe mm. and um, got to meet you, got to you know speak, got to be a part of all that. And then I surprised my wife because she thought I was going to be all about uh, podcast movement while we were there, and which is true. I told her that was going to be the case, except I'd already arranged with my 21-year-old daughter that she would watch the kids that night as I snuck her out for dinner. And I left the, the evening uh, festivities where they showed the movie and all that other stuff. Like, I skipped all that mm. to just be with my wife. And we had dinner, a really nice dinner and some sushi and steak. And then we walked down Michigan Avenue all the way, and she didn't know it. I surprised her as we walked to the base of the Hancock building and went up to the signature room on the 96th floor for cocktails. Uh And I got the host to get me a table right next to the window so we could oversee the city, drink cocktails. We went over our five loved and unloved, and it was glorious. Um, I I would live that day over and over for the rest of my life. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, well... I know I'm feeling it now. So, Chatty Matty number five, when are you most <laughs> when are you most inspired, Angus? Again, it's like I'm 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 a morning person, so at five thirty in the morning, but I have to have coffee in hand. So, for me, when my eyes wake up, if if my brain kicks in, I it's forget it, it's over. I, I have to get up and I have to start creating. But I'm also as happy, equally happy, and creative and inspired. At 10.30 at night with a good bourbon in one hand and a good cigar in the other. Out on my back deck on a nice, cool fall evening. Sugar. You better get ready. I'm coming to Nashville. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you. Thank you. That's it, everybody. That is the show. We have done it. And I could not be more happy about this show. I just, I'm just... 
I'm like vibrating right now. I'm so excited. So, um, to Angus, tell everybody where they can. Uh, I mean, there's so much. You've got, and we'll put all these in the show notes. Angus, I'm totally sure. dyslexic, so I'll have you. I really am. So I'll have you send them to me, so I don't get them wrong. So I can just yeah. copy and paste. But tell everybody. First of all, there's up in your the up in your business podcast, correct? Or yes, yes, up in your business podcast, and then um, the the tagline is building you to do business better. Um, I really want to emphasize, go listen to the Gary Vaynerchuk um, episode 047 because you will hear Gary in ways you've never heard him before. I told him we wouldn't talk about marketing. We wouldn't talk about hustle. We talked about two things. We talked about family and we talked about self-awareness. Mm. And what does it mean to be self-aware and how does he want to become self-aware? And the I answers that he gives you will surprise you. Okay. So that's uh, first and foremost. You can also find me at AngusNelson.com where you can see my videos and you can see some of the new materials I'm coming up with over the next uh, few weeks. I've also got coaching available as well as a mastermind group starting. So if you're interested in that and you'd like to work with me, feel free to come and reach out. Ooh, a mastermind group. Ooh, I'm, you also too, I, don't forget to go, you, I'm sure you can get them on Amazon or well, you can get... Love's Compass, How Do You Recover from How Do You Recover After a Lost Relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that. And also, um, you can you can actually pre-order, I think, Empowering Work. I think I saw it up there already, you, you right? Can't, you can't get it just quite yet. It's not up just quite. I don't think it is, unless my publisher already put it up. That would be a shocker. They didn't tell me. I don't think it's up yet, but it will, it will probably be up in the next few weeks. Who knows? Maybe after this actually airs, maybe it'll be up. Yeah, it'll just air like about a month from now. So hopefully, yeah. So awesome, awesome, awesome. And yeah, you're on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the you we'll put it all in there. And yes, I just, I can't thank you enough. So I mean, it was just sugar. If you ever need anything, my, my computer's giving me the color wheel of death. So we're still going. I don't know if I lose this show, then I'm just ending it. No, no I'm not. Um, but Angus, thank you so, so much for just being on here. You're a joy. And, um, yeah, and for the rest of you, you know the drill, you know? Leave us a review. If you are if you listen to this show, leave a review. If you're listening to Angus's show, go on iTunes, leave a review. Um, it makes a difference. It helps get the word out for our shows, and it really means a lot to us. And, yeah, and you can follow us on our social media. You can write me questions. If I don't know it, then I'll just call Angus and be like, Sugar, I need you to spoon with this person. And um, so, yeah. So And so, for the rest of you, we will see you next, or I'll... You, you know, we'll see you. We'll be here. We'll feel you next week and do something kind for someone this week. Okay. I love you all. Thanks again, Angus. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Maddie. All right. Bye. Right. Come on. Do you feel the hug? Do you feel the emotional hug from this man? And he's a twin. That I can't tell you the thoughts. It makes me think because he's a whole bald headed. I'm just saying he's cute. But yes, I hope you, I loved doing that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. You can go, again, go to AngusNelson.com. That's where you can find all things up in your business and everything that he is doing right now. Also, his, we talked about his book. His book is out now. So, and his book is called Love's Compass. That's in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. I also, because I emailed him, I was like, hey, are you up to anything else right now? And he said he actually started a new company two months ago called Brain Trust Partners. And he, but he's still working with large brands doing strategic 
consulting, stuff that I am not smart enough to do. So, and that uh, website is braintrust.partners, which I didn't even know you could have a website called braintrust.partners. Look at that. There's not even a .com. Ooh, the website's pretty. So braintrust.partners, or yeah, braintrust.partners, and that's in the show links as well. And again, I'm excited next week. Uh, we're going to have Related Garments, the brothers from that um, clothing company on the show. I feel like I'm on Shark Tank or something, or like The Prophet. I'm like, got people, I'm not. I'm not doing anything, anything like that. I don't, I, I should, I should probably have people on the show that make lube because let's be honest, I, I could invest in that from all the sluttiness I've done in my life. I hope my boyfriend doesn't listen to this episode. All right, everybody. I love y'all. I hope that you're going to have it next week. We're going to have a new show next Tuesday. Um, go to YouTube channel, youtube.com slash talk to Matt Marr. Jake and I are doing a lot of stuff together. We had great success with Finding Prince Charming. I had a lot of fun with that bitch. So we're going to be doing more stuff and we're going to do some more uh, television recaps coming in the next year as well. So be sure to just subscribe to that in the show links. I can't talk. I'm tired. I need a drink. All right. Well, I love y'all. Thank you. Subscribe. Leave a review. Share this with your friends and family. And yeah, I'll see you next week. Bye.